0: Good morning. It's 8.30 on Friday, February 12th. I'm Karen Brown, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, with winter weather advisories expected across the state this weekend, we check in with the National Weather Service about the chances for rain, ice, and snow. Then, a bill to allow collegiate athletes to profit off their likeness turns into a debate over gender identity. Plus, Facebook is rolling out $120 million in an effort to localize vaccine information. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Ten days ago, Pennsylvania's most famous groundhog emerged and saw his shadow, predicting six more weeks of winter. Poxitani Phil's clairvoyance is coming into fruition this weekend as winter weather advisories are expected throughout the state with some ice and snow in the forecast for early Monday morning. For more on what to expect the next few days, we are joined by Greg Garrett of the National Weather Service in Jackson. Hi, Greg.
2: Hello. How are you
0: doing this morning? Doing great because I'm inside and not driving. Uh, I know that there is a winter weather advisory in place for a lot of western and parts of central Mississippi until noon today. Talk about that. It, it, are the roads uh, at risk of being icy?
2: Yes. Right now we've got uh, periods of, of light rain, uh, you know, mainly over central and northeast Mississippi, where there were there's problems. Uh, I say problems. I really don't know if there are any problems. But the temperatures in those areas where the rain is occurring are are at or below freezing. So uh, mainly a a light uh, coat of ice is expected with with this stuff because the precipitation is not very heavy. But uh, anything that, that does freeze on bridges may cause hazardous problems
0: and i know that that can be deceiving you're driving and the road looks wet and you think it's just wet but there may be that thin coat of ice there that's correct now tonight i understand overnight hours same as today that there is the the risk of more icing and and glaze on the highways and stuff but in terms of our temperatures beginning to drop very low when will that begin
2: well, you know, in a lot of ways, it already has. You know, our temperatures across the area are are uh, pretty cold already, and it's just going to continue to filter in from the north through the weekend. And through the weekend as well, we're going to have, you know, period, more periods of this patchy light precipitation, patchy light rain. And, you know, as the colder air continues to shift south, uh, there could be more, you know, brief periods of uh, light icing uh, through the weekend.
0: Now, what's causing this? Is, is this polar air, or, or why is it going to be so cold in the next couple of days?
2: Well, right now, uh, the snow cover extends you know, all across the north, all the way down into northern Arkansas. And that snow cover has allowed this air to come down out of Canada, out of the Arctic, actually. And usually what happens is as that air spreads south, where there is no snow cover, it moderates. So it never does get, uh, we never do see that, that cold of air. But now, since that snow cover is up there and it's that far south, there's nothing to moderate that air. So that frigid air uh, you, know, you know, is readily available to come right down into our area.
0: Tell us what we can expect Sunday into Monday.
2: Okay. We could have a uh, significant uh, ice storm. Uh, we're looking over much of north and uh, west central and southwest Mississippi uh, for significant ice and sleet accumulations, and and uh, you know that could cause or you know if, if that occurs, like we're thinking, you know, there will be uh, very hazardous travel conditions. You could have uh, you know, significant ice on trees and limbs and power lines down. It could be you know really nasty.
0: And uh, Sunday night is when temperatures will drop into the single digits in some areas, or is that for Monday night?
2: Well, the the, the temperature dropping that low will probably occur on the backside of the system after the system departs. But uh, the temperatures will still be cold enough uh, Monday into Monday night, you know, for this ice that we're expecting. So the really, really cold air will come in after the fact.
0: What about snow?
2: Well, there may be a little snow on the back end of the system, but this, this air mass is really shallow, so uh, most of what falls will be in the form of uh, rain or sleet that'll freeze when it hits
3: the ground.
0: Greg, what, do, do residents need to keep their water running a little bit? Do they need to wrap pipes? Is that a concern with temperatures this cold?
2: Yes. Uh, when temperatures really start dropping on down through the 20s and, and possibly into the teens and all... Yeah, that will be a period where, uh, precautions will be needed to take, uh, to be taken for the, uh, uh, for pipes and, uh, you know, outdoor animals or, you know, whatever else.
0: Okay. All right. Something to pay attention to for sure. And it sounds like ice would be the biggest threat. Greg Garrett of the National Weather Service in Jackson. Thank you so much for your time this morning.
2: Oh, you're welcome.
0: Coming up, a bill to allow collegiate athletes to profit off their likeness turns into a debate over gender identity. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio.
1: Hey, this is Larry Morrissey with the Mississippi Arts Commission. I'm one of the hosts of the Mississippi Arts Hour, the arts interview show on Think Radio. We talk with visual artists, musicians, writers, as well as people who help bring the arts to their communities. We hear about how each artist learns their craft and get some insight into their creative process. You can hear the Arts Hour every Sunday at 5 p.m. on Think Radio. Or listen anytime by subscribing to the show through your favorite podcasting app.
0: This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. Yesterday, the Mississippi House of Representatives took up HB 1030, a bill that would allow student athletes to receive compensation for use of their name or image. Republican C. Scott Bounds presented the bill and explained its origins.
1: Several years ago, there was a federal lawsuit filed, an antitrust suit, they call it the O'Bannon lawsuit. And basically, it said that that a, uh, a, a student athlete at that time had, had sued and federal courts ruled that he could not be compensated. Well, Congress never acted on passing anything in this antitrust lawsuit, so states have taken it on their own now from what I understand to do this, to pass this. What brings us to this bill today is this. Uh, Florida has already passed this bill. Okay? Goes into effect in July this year. They passed it in July, or passing in 2019, I think, goes into effect July of this year. Other surrounding states, legislatures are looking at this. Southeastern conference schools are looking at this in these states. What this does, if we do not pass this, and ladies and gentlemen, I will tell you, there's. this is probably one of those things that this legislature chooses to move forward and pass this. It's one of those things that we, as the old saying goes, we probably need to just hold our nose and support it. It's not something maybe we all want or all like, but the universities are not in disagreement with it. Um uh, but what it does it puts us at a recruiting disadvantage not only athletically in our universities but academically also so basically what the bill does it um it it gives the gives the student athlete the right to retain an agent to be compensated for his name image or likeness uh his name image or likeness in this bill can't be used for the promotion of Alcohol, um, tobacco, things like that. It provides immunity to the college student-athlete if his name, image, or likeness is used without his consent, that he does have recourse to address that. That's what the bill does, ladies and gentlemen. It basically gives this student-athlete the right to be compensated for his name, image, and likeness.
0: During action on the bill, an amendment was presented by Representative Becky Curry, a Republican from Brookhaven. The amendment turned a question of college athlete compensation into a debate on gender identity and inclusion.
3: Notwithstanding any other provisions of this act, no male student athlete may earn compensation or contract for the use, image, or likeness of the student athlete as a female athlete or on an athletic team or sport designated for females. If a student-athlete sex is disputed, the student-athlete may establish his or her sex by presenting a signed physician's agreement, which shall indicate the student-athlete sex based solely on the student-athlete internal and external reproductive anatomy. The student-athlete normal and indigenous pro produce levels of testosterone, and an analysis of the student-athlete's genetic makeup. So here we are. We all know what this bill is. You're either for women and women sports and let them be able to train and do all the hard work that you have to do to become state champs or winners in, in college athletes, or you're not. And I'd like for those who are with me on this to stand to make sure that it goes to the board and we can see who's for women and who's not.
0: The amendment, as presented by Representative Curry, did not address or stipulate any provisions for transsexual men, only transsexual women and their participation and related compensation in women's athletics. House Democrat John Hines of Greenville raised the question of hermaphroditic athletes who possess biological organs of both sexes. He also indicated the amendment is an invitation for legal action against the state.
1: Men will participate in men's sports, women will participate in women's sports, and the amendment doesn't address multi-physical gender attributes, if that's the right word. So I would say that in the spirit of the amendment and what the lady has offered, that it's a, a man plays a man's sport and a woman plays a woman's sport, that's the only Sure, I know to give you, gentlemen, in regards. I just, I I just wanted to make sure that you were aware that that does happen. So the other thing, how does this um, allow us to do what the intent originally was for without us being sued uh, in court? How, how, how does that happen you, you do know it's coming so well gentlemen i i i do not know that it's coming i would say that you know anything that we pass down here i guess is always subject to anything that we pass is always subject to some type of lawsuit and i would certainly say to that but in this legislation we're, we're talking about we're talking about a name image likeness and i gentlemen in all due respect I, I didn't deal with the hypotheticals so. of you know how this affects the uh, uh, moving ahead in regard to what's in House Bill 1034, and that's compensation for a student athlete. I can't answer that, and I'm sorry, gentlemen. I, well, I, 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 sure I asked you the question, so it would be on record that you were given notice. Okay.
0: The ACLU issued a statement in support of compensating college athletes, but they're calling on lawmakers to remove the amendment, which they say discriminates against transgender women. They added if the state is sued, the law will be struck down in court. Late last night, the Senate passed the Mississippi Fairness Act. It would require any public school, public institution or higher learning or an institution of higher learning that is a member of the NCAA, the NAIA, MHSAA or NJCCA to designate its athletic or sports teams according to biological sex. Coming up, Facebook is rolling out $120 million in an effort to localize vaccine information. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio.
2: Hi, I'm Walt Grayson. You can now listen to the wild, weird, and wonderful stories of Mississippi with Mile Marker. We
0: are a You Could Drive-In Theater. We're the last operating drive-in in the state of Mississippi. Join me as
4: we hit the roads
2: of Mississippi
4: on Mile Marker.
3: Freak me out that you could come and drive your car and park and watch the movie outside
2: you can listen by going to mpbonline.org slash radio or by using your favorite podcasting app mile marker a mississippi roads podcast
0: this podcast is a local production of mississippi public broadcasting and depends on the support of listeners like you if you can please donate today at mpbonline.org and thanks Social media giant Facebook is announcing $120 million in advertising credits to health agencies around the world to help reach residents with the latest localized vaccine information. Each state is eligible to use these ad credits, and Mississippi is already one of five states to use credits to share vital information with its residents. The effort is joined by a nearly year-long study of user comments and posts regarding the coronavirus pandemic with Carnegie Mellon University. Laura McGorman, policy manager at Facebook, shares more on the study and the site's vaccine education efforts. So it
4: started in April of last year to try to survey people around whether or not they were experiencing COVID-like symptoms. Because we all know that when people get a COVID test, they can often be infectious for days beforehand. Uh, And it often takes a couple days to get the results of that test. So we started by surveying people about whether or not they were experiencing things like cough, shortness of breath, fever, in an attempt to share that information with public health systems to get ahead of outbreaks. But very quickly, the survey expanded to include a lot more questions because people were confused about whether or not populations were wearing masks at scale. They wanted to know information on how easy it was to find a COVID test in their neighborhood. And increasingly and much more recently, there are a lot of questions around whether or not people would be willing to take the COVID vaccine. And, and those are the insights we're publishing now around the world.
0: Also, some social behaviors. For instance, someone can talk about whether they've been to a bar or a restaurant, whether they That's do right. wear masks, uh, also whether they've experienced COVID symptoms, which I thought was interesting in Mississippi, 1.9% of people say they themselves had experienced COVID symptoms, but 44% said they knew someone else who had experienced symptoms. Well, we often know lots of people,
4: right? So for every single one of us, you know, we have lots of friends and family, and, and our communities can be quite wide. And all of this plays a role in terms of accurate modeling of, this, of the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, you know, you may or may not be experiencing symptoms yourself, but if you come in contact with someone who who has experience symptoms or got a positive test, you know, that have indications for whether or not you need to quarantine. So we think all of these data sources come together to create a clearer picture of what's going on with the pandemic.
0: And now, as I understand it, Facebook is focusing on uh, promoting the COVID vaccine. So can you explain how you're doing that, what your program is? Sure. So first and foremost, we're working to share over $120 million
4: worth of advertising credits with groups like the World Health Organization, local ministries of health, and nonprofits to share credible and trustworthy information around both the safety and the efficacy of the COVID-19 vaccine. So we think one of the most important things we can do is amplify credible and trustworthy sources about the vaccine being most uh, safe and effective in combating coronavirus. We're also going to be featuring links from our COVID-19 Information Center so that as people become eligible to receive vaccines, they can figure out where and when to do that. Um, Feedback that we've gotten from many people around the world is that it can be often difficult to figure out what website you need to go to to sign up to get a vaccine. And so we're trying to make that one click easier by linking out to those local sites from the COVID-19 Information Center. On the other side, we're going to be clamping down on misinformation on the on the platform by removing what are called widely debunked focuses. So these are things that have been disproven by the science as untrue about COVID-19 or untrue about the vaccine, and we'll be removing
0: those from Facebook pages and groups. Who decides on that? There, there isn't really a line that's that distinct being drawn down the middle between what's factual and what's not. Yeah, that's a great question. So we partner with
4: uh, groups like the World Health Organization and leading public health experts to make that determination. This is not a determination that Facebook is making. Um, and when a claim has been widely debunked, and there's a list of those that you can take a look at in our in our misinformation analysis, that's when we'll take it down. So, for example, claims that it's safer to get coronavirus than it is to take the vaccine. That's something that science at this point has disproven and, and is something we would take down. But people may have valid questions around the vaccine. You know, do you experience side effects? Is it safe to give to children? Those are things that obviously are are still being discussed and and, and people have valid questions about. And, of course, those are the kinds of things we would continue to look
0: All right. Let's say somebody in Mississippi wants to know when they can get a vaccine, where they can get a vaccine, whether they're eligible to get a vaccine. How does this campaign help them? What do they do? Sure. So if you're interested in
4: learning about your own eligibility, you can visit the COVID-19 Information Center um, on your Facebook desktop. That will be available from the left-hand side navigation. And then it's actually at the bottom of your screen. There are three lines on the bottom of a Facebook app if you're using it on your mobile phone. And in the COVID-19 Information Center, you'll find links to your local public health department. You'll find information from the World Health Organization. And it's an excellent resource for understanding both whether or not you're eligible, as well as appointments are available in your city
0: or town. And before we talked, I was online looking at various statistics in Mississippi, and it showed that Mississippi uh, sixty, a little over sixty percent of Mississippians say they intend to get the vaccine. Do you know how that compares to other states? Yeah, it's lower
4: um, than many other states. Uh, so it, you know, and, and it's also very variable by county. So you have some counties in the United States that have 99% of people who'd want to get the COVID vaccine that were offered to them today. In other counties, it's more like 50%. So it's very, very variable depending on where you are in the country. And, and I think what people need to remember is that we need a vast majority of people in the U.S. to get vaccinated and want to reach herd immunity. So it's not enough for um, 50% of people to want the COVID vaccine. We need closer to 100% of people to want the COVID vaccine so that over time, we really clamp down on future infections and and as a community we no longer have
0: community-wide transmission. Do those uh, numbers about those who want to get the vaccine correlate with perhaps mask wearing or social distancing? I guess what I'm asking is, is there a way to identify those who think the coronavirus is a hoax or that they don't need the vaccine? Um, Is that information there? Yeah, I
4: mean, yeah, there are a bunch of factors that that seem to influence whether or not people are currently likely to get the vaccine. And there's also some hopeful signs about things that could change their mind. So, for example, there's a bunch of information that Carnegie Mellon has analyzed that there are pretty distinct differences by demographic. Um, if you just look at the healthcare worker population, so again, these are the people who've been in every single state uh, as people who should have received the COVID-19 vaccine first. Among Asian American healthcare workers, around 64.4% of people have already been vaccinated, so almost two thirds. Uh, but if you look at black or African American healthcare workers, only 34% have already been vaccinated, so only about a third. So huge differences by demographics. And that scales to the US population. Gender seems to be playing a role. Um, if you look at healthcare workers, men and women, 60% of male healthcare workers have gotten the vaccine. Only 50% of female healthcare workers have gotten the vaccine. Um, And then we also see some correlation by age. You know, the older you get, the more people seem to want the vaccine and younger people seem to be on the fence more frequently. So there are a lot of factors at play. um, And we've found in general that people who are vaccine hesitant are willing to change their mind if they hear from the local doctor that the vaccine is safe, as well as potentially if they hear from friends and family that the vaccine is safe. So it shows that we all have a role to play in terms of sharing good information about uh, about the COVID-19 vaccine.
0: Laura McGorman is the policy manager of Facebook, and I thank you very much for sharing this information with us. Thanks so much, Karen. Have a great day. This has been Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Thanks for listening to the Mississippi Edition podcast from MPB News and MPB Think Radio. Don't forget to subscribe if you haven't already, and if your app lets you, leave a comment or review. We really do appreciate it.